Here we go. Oh, God. Dan Tracy. <coughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. What is going on with you? Uh, listen, there's a lot going on. We could talk about it, but I don't think I'm that interesting. But uh, it, it's been it's been a little while for us. It's been a little it while. It has been, but, you know, it's it, it was the holiday season. Still, I guess, technically is the holiday season. Uh, we are recording this on December 27th, so two days after Christmas. This, let me ask you, this is like the one week out of the year where it's just like, it's funny because it's like really the last week of the year. It's it's just a dead zone. Like there's like, I feel like a lot of people take the week off in between Christmas and New Year's, but there's just nothing ever going on this week. Like it's, it, it's you know, yeah. school is out. It's 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 a very interesting week. Well, nobody knows what day of the week it is. I mean, even when me and you were talking, I had no idea what was what, what day of the week it was. So, it, yeah, it, it's kind of a, a a no man's land here, but nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's good to, to take a little bit of a break. No, and definitely. It, this is our our final episode of 2022. That's right. I'm assuming, um, you know, we'll record next in 2023. I believe we're on episode 22 here. 22, ASN 22, baby. 22. Uh, I just want to preface this episode by saying that uh, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, so well, a lot of it under the weather. So if I if I sound nasally or if I get into a coughing fit like I just did as soon as the episode started, uh, I sincerely apologize. But listen, whether I don't feel good or I feel great, the the news never stops, man. That's I mean, right. you, you got to power through. And uh, we wanted to give each other a little bit of a break. We wanted to enjoy the the holiday season. And we kind of wanted to make this a little bit of a lighter episode, really talk about the holidays as well. And, you know, get into a little bit of news that's been going on the last couple of weeks. Thankfully for us, I mean, this would have been, if it was busy, this would have been like a four-hour episode. But I feel like there hasn't really been too, too much news going on in the, in the, the sports world. Uh, but the first question I want to ask, of course, as always, not only how are you, Dan, but how was your Christmas? Judging by pictures on Instagram, it looked like you had a very nice time with your family. And I want to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, we always host Christmas Eve. So we hosted Christmas Eve, a lot of food, fun. Um, I was working through it a little bit. I was working until 930 that night. So I was uh, writing about the Cowboys and Eagles while that was all going on. And luckily, that was an entertaining game. Yeah. Um, and then fortunately I had Christmas off and I was able to enjoy that as well. Um, again, more food, probably ate more than I should have. I think I'm still eating more than I should, <laughs> you know, even with the leftovers to this day, but, um, we can worry about that after the new year. We could worry about the dieting and the, the healthy eating, all, all that in a, a few days. How was your yeah. Christmas? I know I, you were, I know you're battling through something here, but other than that, how, how'd it go? Yeah, it, it was a perfect storm of, uh. Of not feeling, I mean, I don't get, I don't get sick ever, but if there's one thing you need to know about me is when I get sick, it's always at the most inopportune times of the year. So usually Christmas, my birthday, like 4th of July, like any major holiday or my birthday, I, I usually get sick and it's only one time a year. So this year I decided to get sick, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas, but it was due to, like I was telling Dan before, my partner at work was sick like the whole week leading up to Christmas. And my girlfriend was also not feeling well for the 10 days leading up to Christmas. So it was just a perfect storm of 
those are really the two people I see all week is just my, my partner at work and my girlfriend. So I couldn't escape it. I knew it was going to inevitably happen. And then I was telling Dan, as you guys know, because, you know, 40 states out of the 50 basically were experiencing like the coldest days that they've felt in God knows how long. It was super, super cold, you know, the, the 23rd, the 24th and Christmas. And I happened to be working midnight shifts on the 23rd and the 24th. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many layers you wear. Once that cold gets inside of those layers, you can't get it out. So it was just, just, you know, inevitable. I, I work outdoors. That's, that's my job. I'm, I'm outside all the time. So uh, I couldn't escape it. So I knew it was going to happen. I took it in stride and I made the most out of it. It was, it was really nice. I, I went to my uh, very Italian side on Christmas Eve. We had the seven fishes as, you know, every Italian does. Uh, my favorite meal of the year, of course, and, you know, spending time with family is always great. I don't really get to see that side of the family too often. And then uh, Christmas I spent with my girlfriend's family, which is always nice. It's always nice and laid back, a very nice dinner. And then we go to her uncle's house for dessert, which is always chaos because there's like 90 people at the house. So it, it was just a really, really fun time. It was it was more lax and, and laid back this year than I feel like it has been in a few years. Maybe it's because I was like really like extremely tired. But you know, it, it was it, it was a lot of fun. I'm 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 I always love the holiday season, and uh, New Year's Eve is one of my favorite uh, days of the year too. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'll feel better by then. It sounds like it. it sounds like you're going to be good a few days from now. Uh, yeah, I always look forward to New Year's Eve, and there's always something special about it—the changing of the year. Yeah, I can picture Dan just getting crunk, standing on a table, shirtless. Champagne pouring that's, down. That's the actually chair. that's actually every night. <laughs> that's why we record in the morning. You know, we, you, you know what? You don't want to see that. That's why. <laughs> well, now we have to record that. Now we have to get you know, <laughs> uh, uh, ASN after dark episode. <laughs> ASN podcast New Year's Eve special. Oh man, popping bottles special. That would be great. We actually did um, on my my old podcast. My old partner. We did a shirtless episode. We used to we used to put the episodes on uh, on YouTube all the time. We did a shirtless episode, and that was not received very well. Yeah, I promise. Uh, I w- it would be it would be received even more poorly <laughs> if uh, if if that involved me. I promise everybody we will not do that. If we well, do it, never, it'll be a solo episode. It won't be me. Listen, in the words of my hero Justin Bieber, "Never say never." All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> to to more relevant news, I would like to say. I mean, the first thing I guess I want to mention that we didn't even talk about, which I guess we both completely forgot about, was since the last time we spoke, Argentina won the World Cup. So congratulations to Lionel Messi. Uh, If he wasn't already the GOAT, that solidified him being the greatest of all time in the world of soccer, in my opinion. It definitely ended the Cristiano Ronaldo versus Lionel Messi debate. I mean, you could debate a wall at this point. I you know, it's, it's just, and it, it's really sad because you saw the World Cup that Cristiano Ronaldo had and the season leading up to the World Cup where, you know, he was in turmoil with Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag, the manager of Manchester United, uh, basically dropped him from the team and Manchester United released him from his contract. A free agent going into the World Cup then gets benched. He scores one goal and it's a penalty goal. In the first game, doesn't play well, gets benched, and Portugal gets knocked out without him even starting that game. And then you have Lionel Messi, who won the the 
uh, player of the tournament award and won the world cup. And, and this was really the piece. This was the, the missing piece in the crown jewel of the, of the career of Lionel Messi, which was international success. And it doesn't get any bigger than the world cup. And what a, what a final that was. I yeah, mean, that was, I, I think, I think Mbappe deserves so much credit. Um, He's the best player in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. unbelievable. First of all, I, I was amazed with what he did at, I guess, I guess 19 years old. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe even 18 because it was earlier in the year in 2020 and 2018. Um, and now he's rounded into it, such an unbelievable talent. And, you know, you have to feel like he's going to be right back in that position. He's already, he already has his World Cup before he turned 20. Uh, but you feel like he's going to be back in that position a couple more times uh, with the chance to make a deep run in the tournament. I know France is, as a team is getting older, but he is just an unbelievable talent. It, it, yeah, he, that was one of those. I know I'm, 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 a, I'm a person who likes the competitiveness of sports. You know, there's even, I hate when people say, oh, well, both teams deserve to win because usually that's not true. But I, in this case, it, it almost felt like both teams deserve to win. Definitely. And it's so funny because Argentina had a common theme throughout the knockout stages and it was, they had big leads and just consistently yeah. gave them up every time. And it was, you think of even the round of 16 game against um, Australia you know, two nothing. They give up a goal in the ninety seventh minute, and almost give up a game tying goal the next minute. Then, you know, the Netherlands tied it up. Uh, the only game that they really cruised to was the game against Croatia. Everything else was, I mean, just a, a barn burner of a of a game. And it's so funny because I said at the beginning of this World Cup that this is the weakest Argentina squad I've seen Messi carry into the World Cup, and of course, this is the squad that he wins the World Cup with. But just, you know, there was a lot of unsung heroes. You think of, um, you know, obviously Emiliano Martinez was fantastic. Enzo Fernandez, a 20-year-old who basically came out of nowhere to, to be a driving force in that team. Alex McAllister as well. Uh, just a lot of real unsung heroes in that team. Rodrigo DePaul as well. Uh, it wasn't just Messi, which was nice. I, I know that a lot of people, you know, he was the catalyst. But, you know, a lot of people around you, there has to be a lot of moving parts to win the World Cup. And, Everyone did their part, and and I'm just happy that he finally has a little bit of international success. And, and to me, that that really ends the discussion of who the greatest of all time is. Yeah, I mean, what a you're completely right, though. It's strange because it wasn't dominant by any means, unless you you know, aside from that Croatia game where a lot of people felt they were the, the heavy favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was it was a, a struggle at times. I mean, even beginning. I mean, who can you know? It's easy to forget that that game against Saudi Arabia that they blew but uh you know they they, they were per they persevered they came a long way from that that loss which was one of the most uh, one of the most shocking upsets in the in through the group the history of the group stage of the world cup yeah um and they put it all together and that what a a great uh, finale though for the sport i mean on that you know on that world stage on with the final um on that sunday morning that was a, it, an insane game, probably the best I've ever watched, and it couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, just going from the the great – I mean, I think just considering the circumstances, I think it's the – I uh, this definitely could be a bold claim, but I think it's the greatest soccer match of all time because it literally had everything that you wanted in it. You know, late drama, penalties. I hate penalties, by the way, but, you know, it, it's part of the game right now. 
It, it, it literally had a little bit of everything. Even in the last minute, France had a golden opportunity to, to steal the game, and Emiliano Martinez came up big. It had everything that you wanted in it. And, of course, it had late drama where you think there's that man, Lionel Messi. He scores the game winner, and then, you know, Kylian Mbappe. It's like it's, it was almost like a, a, like, a, like a passing of the guard, even though Messi is still – I wouldn't say he's at the tip-top of his game – but he's still close to the top of his game, even at age 35. And then you have this 23-year-old who has, you know, absolutely come on the last five plus years and has been borderline unstoppable when it comes to scoring goals. And they went tit for tat with each other. And it's it, it's ex- certainly exciting for the game. And um, I'm excited for the game because it's games like that that make people interested in soccer. I, I you know, I watched the 2010 World Cup final was the first soccer game I ever watched in my life. And I've been hooked on soccer ever since then. So it, you know, it, it, it certainly is uh, something that, that, you know, gets the game out there a little bit more, especially to the American people as well. You know, it's, I, I don't think a lot of people know more about domestic leagues and everything, but especially in America, but it, it, it it's very slowly, but surely becoming a more popular game as, as the months, weeks, years go along here. But yeah, I, it, it was an incredible final. And then going from the super high of watching that final to watching the Jets lose to the Lions in the same weekend was just – on the same day was horrible. Uh, it killed my vibe completely. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that just yet. I think what we should talk about next is this whole Carlos Correa fiasco that's going on. Carlos Correa fiasco that's going on. I thought I said Carlos Carrasco at first. That's why I <laughs> – but – yeah, as you can see, I'm extremely uh, loopy and <laughs> silly. But uh, is, is there any team that has had more unconfirmed success this offseason than the San Francisco Giants? They had Aaron Judge for like seven minutes, and then they had Carlos Correa for six days, and they ended up with neither of them. Yeah, well, they're on the right track. I mean, six days is a lot more than seven minutes. So whoever whoever <laughs> comes next, they should be they should land. Um, and then don't forget, they also lost Carlos Rodon, who, you know, if, if they knew that, that they weren't spending this money, they probably could have just brought him back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're stuck with Michael Conforto and Mitch Hanniger. Which are, what's not bad options. It's not bad options, but you know, that what are they, I mean, what, what's left in that lineup? What, what is, who's the intimidating factor in that lineup? Nobody. Plus who's to say they, they stay healthy. I think they've had like two combined healthy seasons in the last uh, you know, three years. Uh, so that's, they're in bad shape. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's such a strange deal though. And as of us recording today, it's not final yet because apparently the Mets had concerns about Correa's physical, just like the giants did, which I guess kind of, uh, vindicates the giants a little bit because people were, were kind yeah. of thinking, Oh, you know, are they making this up just because the owner cheapened out and wanted to get out of the deal? Well, apparently let not. Me ask you, let me ask you a question. I've heard so many conflicting reports on what the actual issue is. Can you uh, enlighten us on what the actual issue in those medicals are? It sounds like it's an ankle issue. Um, it sounds like, I mean, I think the Mets, I think the reporting with the Mets only said leg. Um, but the the Giants were reportedly concerned about an ankle injury. And the the way it was reported was they were worried about an ankle injury he had, he dealt with in the minors. He had a, he had surgery in the minor leagues, but I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I think that's not really being totally accurate about the, the situation. I, it's probably something if if both teams caught something, then it's something they found on their testing. 
right now that isn't right. It's not like they're saying, oh, we just went back in the records and saw that this happened eight years ago. Uh, I think there's something that they see on there. Maybe it has something to do with what happened eight years ago. But um, there, there's clearly there's something because, I mean, Steve Cohen spends money like nothing. So if he's if he's yeah. hung up about it, like that, there's something going on. Um, based on what I've heard, you know, just things that I've read about this, it sounds like their priority is getting it done with the Mets, maybe just reworking the deal. Um, he's already lost a little bit of money from from this situation with the Giants. So uh, it, it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna work it out together. I think I, I saw a report too that what they don't like when owners make public comments about deals that haven't actually been fit, made official yet. And mm-hmm. the fact that Steve Cohen already commented on this is kind of kind of let the cat out of the bag. Like he, you know, he he they haven't made it official, but he said something about it, which isn't hard to. Go yeah, back well, you know, I mean, we've seen in the short time that he's been the owner of the Mets that he's not afraid to make public comments. I mean, this is the modern day. George Steinbrenner. So, yeah, you know, so, so oh, he is. Completely. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you have 13 billion fucking dollars in the bank, you could say whatever the hell you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just as simple as that. Listen, he, he could, you know what? If he doesn't want the, the newspaper to print what he says, he could buy the newspaper if he wanted to. So it's, the, he's the, just, only, the only different circumstance now is if if Correa fell through which I don't expect but if if it did because it's been a while and they still haven't finalized it, not really anybody else for him to go out and sign I mean there are there are free agents but there's nobody of Correa's caliber anymore I'm but sure think- the pod uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know if Correa goes unsigned the Padres will need another shortstop yeah, but I'm saying who would the Mets you know now the Mets don't have oh, another guy to sign yeah. not that they're in bad shape anyway but no well, it's assumed that Correa is being signed to play third base. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's a hell of an infield. Yeah, it's it, everybody it's in the infield. infield has been an all star at least twice. Alonzo, McNeil, uh, Lindor, Correa. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and and you know, I have a problem with Jeff McNeil, and this is not. I mean, I, he's just so boring. He's like the like. He is the DJ LeMahieu of the Mets, where it's just like he's a great player, like fundamentally sound from like beginning to end, just so boring. Like well, I, I, Jeff McNeil does not move the needle for me. Does Brandon Nimmo <laughs> help make up for it? You know, Brandon Nimmo Brandon runs Nimmo. to first. I hate base Brandon Nimmo. I hate. I think we've discussed this before. <laughs> have we discussed this before that I hate I, the I fact that he runs to first base? Yeah, I think we have. We, I hate that. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's called a walk for a reason, Bucko. Like, take it easy. All right. So, who on the Mets? Who on the Mets makes you happy? Then I like Pete Alonso. Okay. All right. Um, see, this is I like Pete Alonso. There's a lot of people. Oh, we talked about Pete Alonso back, like in the around the home run derby. And there's a lot of people who irrationally hate Pete Alonso. Yeah, it doesn't make any they sense. Think to he me. tries too hard, but I mean, no. In reality, see, I am contrary to belief. I'm not one of those Yankee fans that despises the Mets. I appreciate yeah. the Mets. I, I appreciate what Steve Cohen has done, mainly because I live so close to City Field that, like, and I've been to so many Met games where, I mean, there was, I swear to God, Dan, there was a year that I went to 18 Met games and the Mets were 1 in 17 in the games <laughs> that I went to. I mean, it was like, I, they lost one year. We went to a game, it was 1 nothing in the eighth inning. Bases loaded with two outs, a pop up in the infield. The ball drops and the Mets lose 2-1. I mean, that was like the worst game I've ever seen in my life. And I, that was the day where I was like, oh, my God, 
I'm going to stop rooting against the Mets because this was the saddest thing I've ever seen. I have to. Root. It's, it feels cruel to, to root against them. They don't like as if they need more. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I never, I never really root. I, the only time I root solely against the Mets is when they're facing the Yankees. I, I don't mind. I don't like Met fans per se, but I don't, I don't mind the Mets themselves. So I, I mean, I, I don't hate anyone except for Brendan Nimmo that's on the Mets. Uh, yeah, Brandon Nimmo just bothers well, and, and Jeff McNeil, apparently. No, no, no. Jeff McNeil's just boring. Okay. I don't hate him. He's just boring. <laughs> I'm glad you don't hate boring people. But uh, no, I, I'm with you about how I feel about the Mets. The fans, you know, apologies to any Mets fan who might be hearing this. The fans are usually not that great. Um, although I do know a lot of Mets fans. So it's not like I'm not like I got something personal against you. Like I, I like I have Mets fans in my life that I like. And enjoy. fans are not that great. <laughs> but they're usually crazy. Um some of them are crazy. The team, though, yeah, like I have no problem seeing them succeed. I mean, it's funny, like when you win 101 games and you lose to the Padres in the wild card, I kind of enjoy the reaction. But I, I feel like I'd enjoy that for any team that ends up in that situation. Of course, I love Well, I mean, it, it was Dodgers. almost as sweet as seeing the 111 Dodgers, the 111 win Dodgers only win almost. one game in the postseason. Not, not quite. <laughs> I'm just glad that somebody's competing with the Dodgers now. The Mets are actually going out and saying, we want to, you know, we want to take the Dodgers on head on, and so and the Padres as well. So good thing because for a few years it was looking like this this the National League was going to belong to the Dodgers for. All right. Now let me ago. ask you a bigger issue question. Now that we're talking about money, so I'm all for teams spending money, of course. That habit, if you have it, spend it. You know what I'm saying. But really, free agency has been dominant for quite some time now, has really only been dominated by about 12 teams. So really, my question to you is, first off, people that think that there should be a hard cap on baseball, you need to, you need to put, that, put that in a bag and send it because that will never happen. The Players Association will never let it happen. The owners will never let that happen. So you can forget about that. Do you think baseball should be a league-wide revenue-shared league like the NFL? Because, got to be honest with you, the NFL at least gives smaller market teams a chance to sign free agents because of the league-wide revenue sharing. Yeah, it should be something like that. I mean, uh, there's so much nuance to it. Like, there's, you know, people try to blame one thing for, for the reason why the gap is so big in baseball. I mean, I think what we can all agree on, or at least what I hope we can all agree on, is there's a problem. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have different ideas about what's causing the problem. You know, there are people out there, and this is this is incorrect, but there are people out there who who pretend like the A's and Guardians can spend just as much as the Yankees and the Dodgers. Like, you know, they're like, oh, the owners are just cheap. They don't want to spend the money. No, they cannot spend like that. However, are there some teams where they could spend more money and they choose not to? Yes, I think I, I looked at the uh, I saw that the Diamondbacks uh, were interested in Brandon Drury, but they didn't end up, ended up not signing. And the Angels gave him a two year, seventeen million dollar contract. You're telling me if you're the Diamondbacks, you couldn't give Brandon Drury ten million a year? You know, you need you need offense. He just hit twenty eight home runs. He's played for you before. Like yeah. you can't just up the money a little bit and give him nine or ten million a year. Because your team has a chance to be competitive next year, like it's those situations. Well, where, especially since they traded Dalton Varsho, it kind of looks yeah, like they're phoning well, it in. To be already. honest, though, uh, that that looks like a, I like that deal. At first, I didn't. At first, I didn't, and then, but Gabriel Moreno, the catcher, yeah, Gabriel Moreno, be, I like that deal a lot for the um for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have made some really really savvy moves so far this year. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, 
they they really they help make up for the the Teoscar Hernandez deal with uh with that because Varsho he's not necessarily Teoscar Hernandez as a hitter but he's got more defensive value and he's cheaper well cheaper when you count that he's much further from arbitration at the end of his rookie deal he's they've also really goal. solidified that rotation too yeah but but Moreno and you know Gurriel can help the Diamondbacks immediately and I think they can yeah. be pretty solid next year but Moreno I mean he's they they control him for the next six years. He hit 319 after he came up this past year. He's going to be their catcher for a long time. But you feel like they could actually have a chance to be a playoff team if they spent a little bit more money. You know, you add Brandon Drury to that. Yeah, they have decent pitching too. They they really do. I mean, Zach Gallen, is, I, I bet Zach Gallen is going to be my Cy Young pick next year. He was so good late in the year. Yeah, it's a little preview. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not, but, we're not doubling down on your boy Sandy Alcantara? When's the last time somebody went back to? I guess Degrom went back to. Degrom back went back to back. It's yeah, tough. But I mean, let's, he let's throws so it. many innings that, like, I don't. You know, he. I don't know. But I should have worn my uh, my Sandy Alcantara shirt. I got a Sandy. I you got a Sandy Sayung shirt for for Christmas tonight. Yeah, of course you did. I, I'm gonna have to break that out. Maybe next week. But um, yeah. let me let me circle back and then I'll I'll get you sure. back in here. Um, there's so many there's so many reasons why we have this gap in spending, but it's a problem. Like you you can't have. I know the Mets. The Mets are like at what, three three ninety two or something with the with the payroll, and it's five oh two. Ludicrous, yeah. You count the luxury tax, and then the A's are paying like fifty million. I mean, you can't have that and be a healthy league. And you're completely right. Re- like revenue sharing, it's you know you could think, oh, this sounds unfair because we're making the money and we're giving it to other teams. But what what happens to the league if you don't revenue share? You know, are people yeah. really going to pay attention outside of New York and L.A. and Chicago? If you don't start revenue sharing, I know there's some degree of revenue sharing already, but yeah, listen, the NFL is a better product right now. And it's not because of the quality of football. It's because these teams are competitive. There's 24 teams out of 32 who are still in playoff contention yeah. going into the final two weeks. Even the Raiders are still in <laughs> playoff contention, even the Raiders. So, you know, in baseball, you don't have anything like that. I, I know they try to expand the postseason, give other teams a shot and, the postseason was fun last year. I mean, the Phillies were the, the last team in and they made the World Series. So there's still opportunities. Um, something we may need is a salary floor. You know, because at least if if you have a salary floor, like, okay, the Pirates are not going to win the World Series, but at least they're going to be competitive on a, on a day-to-day so basis. But I, you probably need revenue sharing to do that. Yeah. I did a study or, or like a like a rabbit hole study just for myself. Um, I was having this conversation with my dad because he said that he wants to, he thinks that they should do the the revenue sharing as well. But there are just some teams that are not willing to, that make the money that are not willing to spend the money. So I took the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example, as of right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates have a 41 man roster and are paying $35.6 million. That's their payroll. The, the, over the last 10 years, the Pittsburgh Pirates have made an average net profit per year of $250 million. Now, that's a profit every year. So yeah. you can't tell me that you can't turn that into more spending. Now, yeah, granted, now granted, Pittsburgh is not really a, a, a destination, a free agent destination, I guess you'd say. But we've seen some interesting signings where people just go places for more money. You know, you can't tell me that you like. You can't tell me that you can't spend more money. Well, plus on top of that, I mean, you can sign guys. Uh, you can sign for 
on cheap deals and turn them into something. Cause that's exactly what they did last year with Jose Quintana. Yeah. Jose Quintana was like off the radar. I know he was a former all-star, but he was like off the radar, not even uh, starting full time anymore. And they gave him a one year deal and he had a fantastic year. He legitimately like he, you know, he could have gotten some down ballot Cy Young votes. Um, and, and they ended up trading him to the Cardinals. They got something of value for him. Uh, but if you know, sometimes if you're confident in the way your your team can work with pitchers or work with hitters, and you, you sign some some low key guys like Jose Quintana, you can turn them into something, and you could actually have a, a competitive team. And you know, when you don't give yourself that chance, well, then you get what's coming to you. You're not gonna you're yeah. not gonna win anything. Well, that's so, why I love I love what's happening to the the Oakland Athletics because it's just it's. I just such a blatant disregard for, and the best part about it was last year when they basically traded, they, they phoned it in before the year when they traded basically all the stars that they had left on their team. And then they raised ticket prices and then like opening day, I think they only sold like 4,000 tickets or something. And it was yeah, like, nobody's showing up this year. And then the honestly, night- I, I feel like they're just trying to sabotage the time that they have left in Oakland just so they yeah. can move to Vegas. Yeah. And then look, I mean, this is what the A's do. The one guy that became something, Sean Murphy last they year, he was a, a top 10, maybe top five catcher in the league. They trade him. Now, like I get the logic because they have um, they, their top prospects a catcher. And, but if you look at these deals, I, I saw somebody tweet like they're kind of more trading for quality than uh, for quantity than quality. Like they got a, a bunch of prospects from Matt Olson. They got a bunch for Sean Murphy, but none of them really stand out to you besides maybe uh, Shane Langoliers, who's the catcher that's coming up. You know, you when, I'm, at, sorry at what point... I'm sorry to cut you off, but you got to listen to, you got to see this. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm just now, I've been, I'm on a rabbit hole of, of payrolls and guaranteed money um, committed to 2024. The bottom four teams here. We have the Cincinnati Reds, who have $13 million committed to 2024. The A's actually have $13 million committed to 2024. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates have $7 million committed to 2024. And the Baltimore Orioles have $6 million committed to 2024. Yeah, I, I, have, another, I, have, another, I have another issue here. You see, we'll, all right, we'll cut back on the NFL games we recap because you've got me going on some of this. Yeah, no, this I feel like this is a much more pressing issue right now. The Orioles, the Orioles are another team, just like they're the they're the AL's version of the Diamondbacks off season, where they they can easily be competitive next year. They can even be a postseason team, and they outright refuse to spend money. They came into this off season uh, saying we're going to expand our payroll next year. We're going to go out and sign pitchers. Uh, we're going to do this and that to, you know, we're, our window is here. We're going to be more competitive. Do you know what they've done this offseason? They went out and signed Kyle Gibson to a one-year contract, and they let Jordan Lyles go. Kyle Gibson is essentially Jordan Lyles with a different name. Yeah. They're literally the same pitcher. They get they produce the same results. Kyle Gibson's had some better years than Jordan Lyles, but he's probably also had some worse years if you count this past year. They added him to their rotation, and then they went out and signed uh, Adam Frazier, who you know hits three home runs a year. He he had that one half decent half season with the Pirates. Like th- these are your moves to be competitive. There's not one starting pitcher out there that you thought that you thought was worth spending money on to upgrade your rotation. I'm not saying go out and sign Carlos Rodon, although I think it would have been worth being in play for him. Yeah, um, but you know how about I mean there's some guys left on the market who they haven't signed, who nobody signed, but 
who they could make a run at, like Michael Waka, Nathan Abaldi, who pitch well in the AL East. I mean, but my God, really? Like, you're going to go into next season with Kyle Gibson as, like, the highlight of your rotation along with – I know I know he's not the top starter in their rotation, but I make an effort. Like, you're you're not – I understand you, if you're the Pirates, you can say, well, look, we're not close to contending, which they haven't been for seven years. Yeah, but the, the Orioles were as close to contending yeah. as they've been since they made the playoffs. Yeah, so the Orioles are not in that situation. The Orioles, like the Diamondbacks, who I think had an over 500 record the second half of the year uh, – they're in a position where if they went out and signed some guys, they could be legitimately competitive next year. I know they'll still be kind of competitive, but you're limiting yourself. And how do you go out and lie to your fans and say, we're going to increase our payroll. And the only thing you do is bring in Kyle Gibson, and Adam Frazier. That's that I, that's, that's wrong. I mean, that's, that's wrong. I don't know who's making the decisions there. I don't think it's the GM. I think it's ownership. Yeah. I think the GM, Michael Elias would spend if he wanted to. I mean, if he was allowed he could, to. Yeah. But just uh, just to double down on what we were just talking about, the Pirates, the Orioles, and the A's all have zero million dollars committed to 2025 and 2026. And just to kind of show how significant that is, you have the top f- five teams in payroll in 2025 and 2026 that already have over a hundred million dollars committed to those two years. And of course, you know, it'll change a little bit because some of that is guys who haven't hit arbitration as well. So like, you know, guys who haven't hit arbitration for the Orioles, like, you know, Adley Rutschman is going to start making some money in a couple of years. And and with the pirates, like Brian Reynolds, you know, if he's still around at that point or in 2024, if he's still around, which it's not looking like it because he wants out, uh, you know, he's, he'll be making something like 15 million on, on arbitration, which is more than the 7 million they have on, on the books already, but yeah, it's, it's the gap is, is too big and there's so many reasons for it. And part of that is the reason, but the other part is that, you know, you don't, you don't have owners that can keep up even, even if they're holding on to money, they can't keep up with the Yankees, or the Dodgers or, or Steve Cohen. Um, and there are ways to change that. But the unfortunate thing is they just negotiated the, the new CBA last year. That was the lockout. Um and they didn't do anything to address it. And at the time, everybody was like, oh, all right, well, good. The lockout ended. We had baseball back. And I was one of them. But it didn't really do anything to fix this problem. And now you got to wait another four years because they're not going to it's not going to expire you know, until our next lockout. And uh, I guess that would be the end of 2026 into 2027. So well, we'll I guess they'll address that then. But there's not that not a ton they can do until then. You know, it's interesting. The. San Francisco Giants are the 11th highest payroll in baseball, and they actually have zero money committed to 2026. So that's something interesting as well. That team can go from, I mean, they're already disappointing considering how great they did in 2021 and how bad of a season they had this past year. Uh, That's a team that could go really far south really fast over the next couple of years too. You know what what that tells me? They're going to come out next year after what happened this offseason. I, they could just, unless they will really want to commit to a full rebuild, they might spend like crazy. You know, Otani's going to yeah. be a free agent. There, there are some names next year. <laughs> Machado's going to be a free agent. I don't know if he'd stay in division in the division, but there's going to be if they're if they're really frustrated with what happened this off season, they're actually in pretty good position to just spend like crazy next off season. Yeah, just to put it into perspective, the. 2026 commitments for the Yankees are the highest at $146 million. Yeah. At 40, this point. 40 million of that is Judge, and then Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon are another yep. 
And then the next closest is actually the Mets, and that's 113. So, yeah, it's just it just puts it in real perspective how the disparagement between the top it's it's been the the, the top twelve teams have just dominated free agency over the past decade, and it's it's really unfortunate. I, and I feel bad for teams like because you know I, I've I've been to Baltimore and and you you go to Baltimore and you see how beautiful that stadium is and and all that and you're just like this same thing with well San Diego before they got good over the last couple of years were horrible for how long and I went to that stadium and it was beautiful and the concessions were great and everything and no one just gets to experience it because no one wants to go see a terrible baseball yeah. team Colorado just, too I I've never been there but the the stadium looks beautiful and they they make they get a lot of fans too like mm-hmm. on a they they're one of the highest they have some of the highest attendance of any of the of the bad teams that don't spend yeah. Um, the, you know, the fact that the, the Rockies are another one of those teams that don't, that willingly don't put a product, a good enough product on the field. They're also yeah. horribly managed. Like even when they spend money, it's not good money. No. And it, like, this is actually, I'm kind of glad that we got into it. I know it was a little bit jumbled up, but uh, like, this is something that I want to talk about for a long time that I feel like it's just not, not talked about enough where, yeah. you know, this is another reason why baseball is going down the tubes in terms of, of young viewership, because you know, I I don't think I've ever met a, a, a fan my age that's like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. It's like, why? It's like every 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 person that I've ever met is a fan of like five teams, and that's it. You know? Yeah, baseball has so much parity potential. Like there could be extreme parity in the league, and sometimes there even is. Yeah, and there like has been. I mean, it's been like like something like eight years with different World Series champions. Uh, yeah, I think each of the last eight years, maybe nine now. Um, there, but there's so much potential for parity. Like if they, if if they actually revenue share like the NFL, or or if they have a salary cap, which I understand isn't going to happen, but you know, in, in that world, um, you know, if there was an even playing field, uh, the sport itself is so, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how do you say it, unpredictable when they when the talent is somewhat even. Yeah, and we saw that in the postseason. That it feel you know that the league would just be like completely chaotic uh, if if there was some level of if there was a level playing field, which is a good thing. I mean that's what the NFL is. You know it is chaotic. Like I said, twenty four out of thirty two teams. You know even with the quarterback position being so important, there's still so much parity, and twenty four out of thirty two teams are still in it going into the final two weeks of the season. Look at the Jets. The Jets have had arguably the most inconsistent quarterback play the entire are. year, yeah. and they're still and they're still in it. The Lions started one and six, and here they are. Yeah, uh, you know the the Commanders are being run to the ground by Dan Snyder, and yet they're in a playoff spot going into Week 17 with you know with an uncertain quarterback. Richie situation. James is the leading receiver for the Giants, it's, and they're still in the playoff. So if if baseball had some level of an even playing field, I mean it's just crazy to think how how much fun it would be. But we're not there, and it sounds like we're not going to be there for a while. And you know what you know what's what the kicker is too. Whenever this idea is brought up to owners, it's like the most it, it's like the most egregious thing you could ever say. It's like you just killed their family. It's like and it's funny because they'll vote no and it'll be there'll be owners like the Oakland A's owner and, and the, the Orioles and the pit, the pirates that will vote against it. And it's like, but it's gonna help you. Why are you yeah. voting against it? Because I they don't, don't want they just don't want to spend the money. I, I, I just, who cares? If even if it's somebody else's money, they're what you that's what I'm saying. It's it's just unbelievable thinking that like you could still potentially like like the Pittsburgh Pirates, for instance. Like I said, they have a 
$35 million payroll and consistently turn 250 plus million dollar profits every single year. So if you do a league-wide revenue share, you could potentially still be making that money and getting other people's money to spend on free agents and then in turn make more money on top of it. So obviously there must be something that we're missing if they're not doing that because, I mean, like – I'm not that smart. I didn't just crack the fucking code to it, Dan. Like, that's not how it is. Obviously, there's something more that we're missing here that goes on behind closed doors. But on paper, it just makes no sense why they wouldn't do it. And I mean, and especially for a league like the NFL, that the owners association is probably the like most toxic and worse out of all the owners. Yeah. For them to just sit down and completely agree on a league-wide revenue share, it's like, all right, then baseball could do that too. But baseball owners are just salty. They This is a, a ownership group that almost didn't allow Steve Cohen to buy the Mets. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of them that did are regretting it. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. Like they, if they could go back in time, I think more than, than the necessary amount would, would block him for this reason. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, you know, we're having this conversation now. It's because of him that we're that we're talking about these these owners of these teams that won't spend the money. So this is exactly why they wouldn't want him to be the owner because he puts a spotlight on how cheap they are. And like I said before, I don't want to make make it sound like uh like I believe the A's and the Pirates and the Guardians can spend money like the Mets or anything close. They can't. And that's a problem. But you know, they could spend more. And like yeah. I mentioned the Diamondbacks and the Orioles is two teams that are legitimately ready to win right now. Um and and they just they don't go out and you know make that the, the guardians step. are a real interesting case though because i don't <clears throat> i don't think the guardians are as frugal as a team as we think they are because they do go out and spend every once in a while it's just that their homegrown talent is is so good that i feel yeah. like they just don't find a need to spend yeah, they're, so they're, as, they're as to where really like good. the a's will get one good season out of a, a top prospect and trade him for more prospects and it's just like a never ending horrible nightmare of just no money spent <laughs> yeah i mean no you're right if the guardians the guardians consistently have a payroll like near the a's but if they were the a's they would have went out and traded to shane bieber this offseason they wouldn't have even mm-hmm. thought twice about it he'd be gone he might have been yeah. gone last offseason the fact that they, they they kept him they gave an extension to jose ramirez they went out and signed josh bell and they understand that they're so good at developing talent, especially pitchers. But even now, hitters, they've got the Stephen Kwan came out of nowhere and Oscar Gonzalez. Yeah. You know, the Rays, too. I think I think yeah. these teams, these teams see that they're so good at developing talent that it, it see that makes sense to me. If you're good at developing talent and you're consistently making the playoffs and you're near the playoffs when you're not spending money, why would I go out and spend a hundred million dollars in an offseason where I could spend $15 million in the offseason and get to the same exact place that I was last year. And I know that you might say, oh, well, that $15 million isn't going to get you a World Series. I don't really think a lot of these teams necessarily care about winning World Series. It's more about turning a profit. As we've seen with the ownership change from George Steinbrenner to Hal Steinbrenner, where it's more of a business than it is winning championships. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've in the in baseball we've seen it take a turn. And that's why I say that Steve Cohen is the modern day George Steinbrenner, because listen, he'll slam that checkbook down on the table and he'll write whatever the fuck he wants. Cause he wants to bring championship baseball to Queens. Yeah. And you know, you talk about a team like the Rays, they're one of those teams where, you know, they trade somebody and we're like, Oh, they could be so good if they just spent a little bit of money and, and kept their guys. And then all of a sudden they're better the next year. Like, they, yeah. you know, they, the guys they get help them and, and they, they, 
you know, some guys we've never heard of start having ERAs around 2.9 or something. Uh, and you know, it's smart business. Like they they know what they're doing. Um, and but yeah, Steve Cohen, I, I completely agree with that. That he's the the modern day George Steinbrenner. You know, the difference being, at least right now, is um, the temperament. You know, he's not. I feel like if things go wrong, like like he seems like he's somebody who's good friends with with Buck Showalter. Like if if they're yeah. not playing well the middle of next year i'm really i'm not really sure he slams his hand down on the table and fires buck showalter and the coaching staff well you know, buck showalter couldn't just be the billy martin of the of right. the steve cohen era but, where he gets hired and fired like five different times yeah ex- oh, exactly like i i don't see him i don't know if he has that aspect but he in terms of spending money and, and the desire to win he's right up there with him and he's gonna I think he knows that too. I think he knows George Steinbrenner's reputation in New York, which is a positive one, even for all, you know, not that he was perfect, but it's definitely, a, he's looked, he's kind of almost revered by Yankee fans. And I think he understands that's what he's going to be for Mets fans, but you have to win championships to get to that level. And so that's, you know, the, the jury's out until they start winning something, but he's obviously doing what he can to become the George Steinbrenner. Listen, fans. this is in the what, how what, two years? He's yeah, been he took owner. over a little over two years ago. I mean, this is already more of a success than the Wilpon yeah, uh, ownership. Uh, but really just – I'm glad we had th- this conversation in terms of – because it, it's just something that needs to be talked about more, and I feel like it gets consistently swept under the rug that, you know, these, these teams just – it's such a disservice to not only your fan base but just the MLB in general because this is like – if I lived in Oakland, I, baseball, contrary to what I talk about, where obviously it seems like football is my most favorite sport because, you know, my entire YouTube channel is based off of football and everything. Baseball is will always be my first love and it's my favorite sport. But if I lived in Oakland, I'm not watching baseball, dude. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not watching. Baseball. Why would I turn the TV on to watch that team? You know what I'm saying? It's it's terrible. You're doing a disservice to your area, your organization, the MLB, MLB fan base. It's just bad. It's like even when the Yankees play in Oakland, I'm not turning on the game at 10 o'clock to watch. Like I I don't want to see that. Yeah, I want to watch my favorite team play, but like I don't want to watch them play in Oakland. It's just I don't know, like, the, A's, the A's beat them a little bit last year. That's all, another reason <laughs> why I didn't want to watch it. But That was during the uh, that ugly stretch of the year. Yeah, August. but um, I think before – well, before we talk about we're, we're not going to highlight. I mean, this past week in the NFL, uh, a lot of dead games for the most part. But uh, we're just going to highlight a few of those games. This will be a, a shorter episode than most. But we did want to talk a, a little bit about uh, uh, Franco Harris. So isn't it just strange how some things happen where this was the 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 Saturday night game was the 50th anniversary. Was it the Saturday or Sunday night game? It was Saturday, Saturday right? Saturday night game was the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. It was the the Raiders against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Weren't they going to honor Franco Harris at halftime too? Yeah, they did. They retired his number. I know, but like he was supposed to be there. Yeah, but, but they but they still went through with it. Yeah, and it's just like and he passed away. What was it? A few days before, right? Yeah, on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, it's it's another. A gentleman is what my my dad described him as when he was talking. Like just you know, football player first and foremost, but just an absolute gentleman and a, and a student of the game as well. And 
interestingly enough, uh, Cam Hayward had him on his podcast, I think the day before he passed away or two days before he passed away, and he seemed like he was perfectly fine. Yeah, I saw an interview they did with him at a at a museum uh, in Pittsburgh, literally the day before. And it was sad because then they they put out a new segment. Um, I was just looking through like this news network's YouTube channel, and they put out a new segment the next day um, with the two people who were there with Franco Harris. Now he you know he was. It's just amazing how quickly that can change. That twenty four hours ago they were they did this interview with him and I think the museum director, and, and a day later it was the interviewer and the museum director, and he was gone. Um, yeah, but the timing is, the timing was, was very, um, strange, you know, just coincidental. Um, and it's, it was a, a tragic situation and, you know, unfortunately it turned, it turned the, the, what was supposed to be a celebration of the 50 year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception into more of a memorial. Um, you know, on one, on one hand, it's good that they, they got to honor him. And I know they were chanting his name at, at, at a, the, the venue formerly known as Heinz Field, um, they didn't get the greatest weather because it was something like five degrees and snowy, but um, they were able to honor him properly. But yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of a tragic situation. I feel like last episode we were talking like this about Mike Leach. Yeah, uh, you know, two two very sudden losses that uh, that impacted the football world. Yeah, and what really got to me was uh, listening to Terry Bradshaw talk about. Franco Harris too. They had him, you know, he he spoke from the heart on the pregame about Franco Harris. And it's just, I don't know what it is about. I don't, I'm not a guy that shows a lot of emotion, <laughs> especially like sad emotion, but I, I don't know what it is about like losing like sports legends or something. It always just gets to me. I don't know what it is. And even this is a guy who wasn't even close to being born when Franco Harris was playing. But you just see the kind of impact that, you know, a guy like Franco Harris had on like Terry Bradshaw. They were, you know, great friends. And he was visibly distraught about it. And he even said he was like the the way that I could describe him was an amazing man, amazing personality, amazing teammate, just like all around just world class human being. And by the way, if you ever just want to cry on a random day, just watch David Baker knocking on NFL legends doors and oh and yeah, congratulating oh, yeah. No, I've them. seen I, I love those videos every year. I think Dude. um he he either retired or, or is close to retiring from from that yeah. job top Dude. of all thing. But he's he's fantastic and, and seeing him um you know like on the night of the NFL honors or I guess the day before the NFL honors going out and knocking on the doors of those those Hall of Fame inductees yeah. dude do the, the two that get me well there's three that always get me. It's Bill Cower, it's um, Calvin Johnson, and then it's uh, um, Jimmy Johnson. The Jimmy Johnson one gets me the most all the time because he starts crying live on air. That gets (laughs) me all the time. But getting getting back to it, it's just just unfortunate. I think it's just the suddenness of it too. Like I'd never heard if he was sick or anything like that. And just unfortunate that he didn't get his his last moment really, which was being – you know, getting his number retired, that that being all about him celebrating his play and everything. And I, it just, it was just unfortunate. The timing was unfortunate and, and relatively young. What was he? 72. I think 72. Yeah. Or 73. Yeah, I think not, 72. That's not old, man. That's really, no. really not old. My dad is 66. It's not, yeah. it, it's not old. 
No, it's it's funny how life works. You remember last year, John Madden died, and he died suddenly, unexpectedly, three days after that documentary came out um, about his life. It, yeah, just odd timing sometimes. Yeah, and in this case, very tragic. Yeah, I think before we just uh, you know deepen our depression in this uh, in this conversation, I think we should move on to. Talking a little bit about football and what we experienced in the week that just happened. I like the way that this week was laid out. I liked most of the games on Christmas Eve on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I like I liked that a lot. It was um, it definitely made me more uh, intrigued. But there was a few games that really we really wanted to highlight. We don't really even want to talk about the Jets and the Jaguars. One thing we do want to talk about about it though is the. Uh, development of the Zach Wilson saga and the fact that thankfully, mercifully, this marriage is basically over before it really even began. Uh, and he's just, Dan, he's just horrible. It's, there's no other way to describe it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's over. And so, you know, you don't need more than this. Like Sam Darnold got a third year because he showed flashes. Zach Wilson doesn't show flashes, at least not not nearly enough. Um, you know, listen, part of it is he's not a great quarter, not a great NFL quarterback who still needs a lot of, or would need a lot of development. But on top of that, he's got no confidence. His confidence is very easily shaken. Um, and it, you know, if that's I'm not saying that's necessarily his fault, you know, I don't know if he can control his confidence level. Um, but the Jets can't afford to give him the time to, to find it. I mean, no. he's out of, he's out of chances to, to find his confidence, um, and if he didn't have confidence before, he definitely doesn't have it now after being uh, ruled inactive for the second, you know, the second separate time this season because he's going to be inactive on Sunday. Tough. Um, yeah, but it, it's over. I mean, I, I have to imagine he's not starting another game. I know Mike White, as long as he's healthy, is going to start the next two. And even if he isn't healthy, if, if you know, if he, I know he's going to be the starter this week. If he, if something happens to him in week seventeen. I'd have to think Joe Flacco would step in at that point because I I, I just think the the Zach Wilson uh, partnership with the Jets is done. And uh, you know the question is what can they get for him in the offseason? I know Jay Glazer reported over the weekend that they're prepared to move on from him in the offseason. I think you have to. Listen, I'll take a bag of potato chips and a soda to be named later for Zach Wilson. Yeah, you know, I mean, somebody's like, going to give up something, but I think it's going to be embarrassing. I think, you know, to pick no, somebody. It's like a two. fifth or sixth round pick, or, or it's going to be yeah, horrible. Pick somebody. They're going to get what they got for Sam Dart. And you know what? Exactly. You know what? I'm going to be real right now. I would have loved to see what Sam Darnold could have done with the weapons that Zach Wilson has. Because yeah. I honestly think that he'd still be in New York. And I think I don't. Would he be the franchise savior? Maybe not. But I think he'd be. I mean, he's he what he's played very well this year. I would like to think. I don't think Sam Darnold has played bad at all this year in Carolina. No, small sample size. But look, look what he did to the Lions that Zach Wilson couldn't do. <laughs> I yeah. that, you know if that's not proof enough that he played the Lions a week after Zach Wilson did, and Wilson wasn't horrific against the Lions, but he was the reason they lost. I mean, there were there were. They wouldn't have ended up trailing at the end of the game if, if, if I think if Mike White was in there. Um, but the fact that the Lions' defense was so soft against Darnold and the Panthers, you know, eat the run defense too, because we the Jets did nothing in the running game against the Lions, and yet somehow the Panthers had a, one of the most historic days you'll ever see. 
Um, the fact that we couldn't do anything against the Lions is a testament to Zach Wilson. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I'm not sure I agree that Darnold would still be in New York in year five, but obviously he, he looks like a more stable NFL quarterback right now than Zach Wilson, and that says a lot. I, don't th- I really don't think he's that bad. I mean, I know that we didn't yeah. see great things from him. I, I I think that he I I think that he'll get another shot at being a start. Maybe not in Carolina, but I think he'll he'll get a shot at being a start a starting quarterback somewhere. I really do think. I, he I will. still feel like next year he's he's a backup going into next year. I don't know where, but I I don't think I don't think unless he really shows out. Like you know, if he goes out there and outduels Tom Brady, and I mean legitimately outduels Tom Brady, which is something that could probably which be is done. something that could happen. Um, you know, then you know you never know, but but you look at other guys too. Like, okay, how many quarterback positions are there to fill? There's a lot. There's a lot. But then, but then you talk about the draft. Well, two of them are two positions are going to be filled by by start by uh, rookies probably, if not three. And then when you talk about free agents, Gardner Minshew could probably take one over Darnold. Um, Jets, baby. Baker Mayfield can probably take one over Darnold after what he's done lately. Yeah. Uh, I, James Winston, probably not. Hey, um, maybe Baker Mayfield doesn't move from LA. Maybe not. I mean, look, may, maybe, but, but, you know, he may be playing so well that he gets a better opportunity. You know, I know a lot of people are like, okay, we'll re-sign Baker and then maybe Stafford retires in a year if he's, if he's still dealing with health issues and then Baker takes over, but Baker may be playing himself into a position where a team's willing to give him a chance to compete for a starting job. I mean, I think that's what he could get. Yeah. Um, especially with at least nine, I, I did a tweet about this the other day. Probably ten teams with a, with very uncertain quarterback situations, yeah. and that's not counting um, that's not counting the Giants, who have Daniel Jones as a free agent. Although I think he'll be back. Uh, the Packers, who you know Aaron Rodgers can leave at any moment, and then the the Patriots, who Mac Jones. I don't know. If, I still don't get the sense that Belichick is sold on Mac Jones. But I feel yeah, like I think Tom back. Brady goes back to the Patriots next year. <laughs> I know. I think that. No, I think no, that's I really think so. He left because of Belichick. I think he, he goes back. Of, unless Belichick is headed out and Josh McDaniels is pried away. Oh from my games. god! Now I, I think that I I think in terms of just quarterbacks, I think as crazy as last year's quarterback carousel was, I think we're in for an even crazier one this year. Maybe not necessarily with trades because I mean we saw what Russell Wilson got traded Deshaun Watson got traded like it was just massive trade move maybe not so much trades but I I I could see Tom Brady in New England I could see Tom Brady in San Francisco you know I could see and he also just came out and said that he doesn't really think about retiring at all so I mean can this guy what's wrong with this guy he doesn't look good though I know the situation is not good in Tampa but he yeah I mean He's, uh, they, people give him way too much credit for for what's going on. I mean, everything hey, on every broadcast is like, oh well, you know, oh, it's just a tough situation. The offensive line was broken but, down. But listen, think about this for a second. Look at what look at how good Brock Brock Purdy looks in in San Francisco. Imagine dropping Tom Brady in San Francisco. He might throw for freaking four hundred yards a game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, year to year, like the situation is usually not this good in San Francisco. More guys get hurt usually than this. Um, I but for you know, is he going to want it? Is he going to want money? Is he going to want to take a, a really small deal? Because if he wants money, I don't know if the Forty ers are, are 
you know, why not just stick with Brock Purdy or Trey Lance? You know, forget Garoppolo at that point. Like, why even sign Brady if he's yeah, Garoppolo's coming in? Gar- Listen, we've said it. We've said how handsome Jimmy Garoppolo is. <laughs> There's only one place in the world where your handsomeness will be displayed everywhere, and that's New York, baby. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is coming. Which New, New York, York team are you trying to send him to? The Jets. I'd rather have Gardner Minshew. Oh my God! Give me the turnovers. Like, give me the give me his turnovers. At least he has a big. He's a born potential. winner. He's a winner. That's it. The guy just everywhere he goes, the guy wins. Unfortunately, though, I think you're right because of Mike Lafleur I, I, and Robert Sala. Yeah, you, the the fit there well, is probably natural. I'd rather have Jimmy. Gr- I see. Like, I do like Gardner Minshew a lot, though. So I wouldn't. I mean, either way, I, I really wouldn't care. I just feel like your your ceiling is so limited with Garoppolo. Like, unless you legitimately put together a team like the 49ers that has a Super Bowl caliber roster, and you know, well, I defensively, know Jets, I think the Jets, the Jets have a Jets, Super Bowl caliber roster defensively. I, I know the Jets are building a good roster, but I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet. Maybe maybe besides for the safety position, but uh, <laughs> uh, well, Marcus Joyner is just fucking useless. But um, listen. Well, I, we even go. I'm just, I'm just so happy to see you that after going down a ton of rabbit holes. Well, we'll we'll run through some of these NFL games for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't really want to talk about the Jets because that was like maybe this is why the Jets don't get primetime games uh, because they put yeah. I'm worried we just cost ourselves a chance at a, at some Sunday night games next year. Yeah, exactly. I think we deserve some though, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, I think so. Definitely the defense. Um, a game that, uh, we wanted to talk about was the Giants and the Vikings. Now, uh, the Giants had a incredible opportunity to clinch a playoff spot because the commanders lost, the Seahawks lost and the Lions lost. And the the Giants were also tied 24, 24 with the Vikings with less than two minutes to go. And, uh, Kirko chains and the best wide receiver in football, Justin Jefferson, uh, combined for, I mean, listen, I love what the Giants did. I love the grit and determination that they showed, but on a wide receiver screen pass to give up, what did they give up? 18 yards on the last play before yeah. the, like, come they're, on, man. And at the time too, I was, I said, they're look very lucky. They tackled him. They got in there and, and like grabbed his yeah. leg at the very end. Cause I thought, okay, well it's probably for Greg Joseph, probably not really a makeable field goal. It's like they got extremely lucky tackling him at the end. Uh, and then it turns out, you know, I underestimated the Vikings magic this year, which I really shouldn't do. Uh, and they somehow, they somehow, I, I think I've complained on here about Greg Joseph. And I'm like, why do they still employ him? He's like the one weak area of the team. Yeah. And sure enough, he goes out there and does that. I think I, I saw a stat that the, there have been three field goals 60-yard field goals. I don't know the time span, if it's ever or just, you know, in a, a certain amount of years recently in the, with w- one second left on the clock uh, from 60 yards, and all of them are against the Giants. There was, it was Graham Gano, Jake Elliott, and now Greg Joseph kicking game-winning 60-yard field goals um, at the with, with a second left on the clock. I was about to say a second or less. That would be zero. I have to say, yeah. I'm con- I continue to be impressed though by Daniel Jones. Yeah, with, with what he's doing with without any real weapons. I mean, 340 yards or 330 and 30 of 42. He led a game-winning drive. I know it ended on a run by Saquon Barkley, 
But some of what he did against the, the Vikings and the Commanders was really impressive for, for the lack of talent he's working with. Yeah. And it's, on the flip side, it's just a testament to how bad the Vikings' pass defense has been, that they allowed 300-plus yards to the Giants, where Richie James had eight catches for 90 yards, and you know Darius Slayton was able to run free for a few catches too. And um, Yeah, Daniel Jones continues to impress me. And, and this is really the season where I've said, yeah, this dude's definitely an NFL quarterback because he's extremely sneaky athletic. You know, he he runs really well. He's got a good arm. He's pretty accurate. He's just working with nothing. Yeah. And if you put some some, if I mean, if they reinvested some of that money that they gave Kenny Galladay into different weapons, you know, he he could be that much better. And some of his worst games this year, when he was being completely harassed, like that game against the Cowboys, where they were, yeah, the offensive line just imploded and they were on him all night. Uh, yeah, when he when he has time to throw. Uh, even without receivers, he he's he can make some plays, and of course his rushing ability is a big help too. Um, his contract is going to be fascinating. He's a free agent. Maybe they franchise tag him. Maybe they don't. I, I think I, it's a two-year deal. I I think well, that's what I'm thinking because what it reminds me of is when the Jaguars gave Blake Bortles, and I don't mean to. I, I know I just got done praising Daniel Jones, but it reminds me a little bit of when Blake Bortles took the Jaguars to the AFC title game. Take him there. He was along for the ride, but they gave him a something like a three-year. I don't even know what it was. I think it was like three years, forty-eight million, which at sixteen million now is not what sixteen million was uh, five yeah. years ago. But um, and and it ended up being an issue for them because they had to release him and had some dead money after the first year because he was that bad. I don't think Daniel Jones could ever be that bad, but I, I feel like a similar deal could be in play here—a three-year and you know what? What's forty-eight million now? Maybe like. 60 million, 65 million. You know, I I mean, he probably gets, I'd say, I'd say he gets 20 million a year. Yeah, I think he can do it. I mean, they were talking about Geno Smith getting 20 million a year. I think Daniel Jones has earned it. Um, But it'd be interesting to see if they have to franchise tag him. You know, if if they can work out a deal before, before whatever that I really don't think with the pieces that the Giants have in place, with the coaching that the Giants have in place, I really don't think Daniel Jones wants to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, We'll see though, because yeah. there are a lot of quarterback needy teams, um, you know. So I wonder, but I, I think I, the NFL is unpredictable. There could be a report that comes out tomorrow that says Brian Dable really does not want Daniel Jones to be his quarterback. He doesn't want, you know, a guy with the maybe a limited ceiling to be his quarterback. Who knows? Things I don't think change, we've seen. I think I think he's earned it. I don't think we've seen what Daniel Jones could well and truly do because there's always been some type of issue that's hampering his ability. Yeah, but on the offensive line and his receiving core. So if you yeah. can fix up both a little bit, then yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Like, think about it like this. Going into next year, you have probably a top five left tackle in football in Andrew Thomas. Evan Neal will probably be better than he's been this year because we, we, we all know that only the elite of the elite offensive linemen go from college to the NFL without some sort of transitional period. Mm-hmm. So he'll have like, like Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas was a bust after his first year. And now he's, he's one of the best left tackles in football. I'm hoping Evan Neal will be the same thing. Then you have your bookend tackles for the next five plus years together. You know, you go out, you draft a wide receiver, you sign a wide receiver. I like Daniel Bellinger at the tight end position. Uh, you know, the defense is good. 
You know, I, I don't really think they have many issues there. They need a boundary corner. So you get a boundary corner. I, you don't even really have to worry about the defensive side when it comes to Daniel Jones, obviously. But I think if you just maybe you lock up Saquon long-term, because he's had a very nice year. He's definitely showed the Saquon of old, that he's fully healthy now. You know, it's very it's a very promising proposition. And to be honest with you, especially in free agency, I don't really see any quarterback that fits the Giants better than than Daniel Jones does. Yeah, the options are limited. I mean, there's going to be quarterbacks out there, but there's not going to be franchise quarterbacks out there. Um, we have some we have some live news to react to here. J.J. Uh, Watt said he's retiring uh, after the season. He called the uh, that game against the Buccaneers his final home game of his career. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he just got that too. Wow. Hall of Famer, undoubtedly. Yeah, uh, without yeah a doubt. Him, him, All Lawrence Taylor, and Aaron Donald are the only three uh, with three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Hall of Famer, but we have to sit here and say what could have been if he was just healthy his oh, yeah. entire career. Yeah, I mean, he at his peak, one of the best defensive players ever. Um, yeah, that's a title he could hold. You know, best defensive player ever if he had actually stayed. He definitely career. could have won more than three defensive player of the years if he was healthy his entire career. Yeah, that's uh that's and and here we go talking about the Cardinals. Now that's just yet another hole that the Cardinals have to fill in free yeah. agency. Or he had, the a, he had a great game that night too. It's too bad yeah. they blew it for him. I'm not surprised, yeah. but. He actually played really well. Yeah. Let me look up his stats right now this season. I think they weren't bad. I think I saw them the other day, and they weren't that bad. Um, hold on. He's, I mean, he was legitimately the class of the NFL when he was uh, Oh yeah. When he was at his peak with the Texans. Oh, that's and really not a bad dude. He's got nine and a half sacks this year. He's having a pretty solid year, and he's been able yeah. to stay. He's been able to stay healthy. This Which is, the first you know, time. it's good for him. I mean, I know he's not going to win anything. It's kind of a sad ending, but the, I'm glad he didn't go out, you know, with a with another injury. Which it looked like that might be the case. Look at this. This is so sad. Like, look at this. You got, uh, I think he was injured for a decent amount of his rookie season. Then in 2016, 2017, 2019, 2021. Oh, 2020 and 2021. Those are all seasons that he didn't that he played like like three or four games. Yeah, that like he could have been 111 and a half career sacks, um, multiple defensive touchdowns. One year he had five touchdowns in a season. That was, I mean, he. No, yeah. it's 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 kind of wild that uh, you know, four seasons here where he didn't play more than half the games. Yeah, um, and. He was a he was an All Pro, first team All Pro for four years in a row. Then he played eight games over two years, and then he came back and he was an All Pro again. Unbelievable! Wow, that's interesting news. That's uh, yeah. Uh, live news to react to. I think it's the first time we've had a live news and live news report on our. Uh, on yeah, I our remember reporting. a couple of them. I know we had. I know Frank Reich was fired when we were on here. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um. Another game that I wanted to talk about was the – I know we wanted to touch on was the Panthers and the Lions. Really, the only reason why I wanted to talk about it is because the Lions had a golden opportunity to forthright themselves even further into the playoff discussion with a win against the Carolina Panthers. And I think we've seen as the season has gone on that the Carolina Panthers are not a pushover that we thought that they were going to be. 
um, especially with Sam Darnold at the helm. Uh, <laughs> who knows what would have happened? If, well, I, he was hurt at the beginning of the year, so it's not really their fault. But I was going to say, who knows where they'd be yeah. if he was uh, playing earlier? Yeah, you, I mean, you might be right, though. Who know? Really, who knows if if he was if he yeah. was healthier at the beginning of the year? But yeah, the the Lions just continue to screw me every time I pick them to win. Uh, they lose every time I I pick them to lose. They win. I don't know what's going on, but they they're coming off of. An incredible run. Now they are what seven and eight, seven and eight. Still not mathematically out of it, but you have to figure that this was a golden opportunity for them to to really, really uh, strengthen their playoff hopes, and they yeah. kind of botched it. I mean, they got they got very lucky, very lucky that everybody around them lost, except for the yeah. Packers. But they they control their own fate against the Packers. They play them again. Yeah, um, I, this is a game that could have been for their defense could have been a lot worse. I mean. The for most of the game, the Carolina Panthers were averaging more than 10 yards per rush. That's incredible. And they ended up with they and the Carolina Panthers ended up rushing 43 times for 320 yards and three touchdowns for a 7.4 yards per carry clip. That's pretty historic, if you ask me. <laughs> and you know, it's it's Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard who have had a good year. But um I give the I give the and this is gonna sound crazy. You ready for it? I give Ben McAdoo a lot of credit, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, because they, they're not like a stereotypical rushing team. They don't have a great offensive line. It's better yeah. than it was last year, but it was, it was awful last year. It's improved, but they don't look like the type of team that should be running for 300 yards with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, and yet yeah. they're, somehow, they're somehow making it work. Um, and we, the Jets proved two, uh, two weeks ago, or I guess you know, a little over a week ago, that – just because the Lions' defense is bad doesn't mean everybody's going to have a big day against them. The, the Jets' run offense, rushing attack was brutal. And so the fact that Ben McAdoo was able to go in there and scheme it up, I mean, I, I, I give him some credit. He may be back next year, especially with Steve Wilkes looking like he'll be back. Yeah, and I'm happy for Steve Wilkes. I thought he got the crappy end of the deal uh, in Arizona. So um, I'm happy for him there, but... Yeah, just a golden opportunity for Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell is so funny. Did you see at the end of the game where he was like, great fucking job. He was like, you kicked our ass or something yes. like that. I love I it. Mean, I, love he, it. I love, he's, he's just an incredible person. And I mean, I knew that he was going to be a, like a, a national treasure, a treasure as soon as he told us what his Starbucks order is every <laughs> single day, where he gets two Trenty like black coffees and just like downs them before practice i knew he was going to be an absolute saint so um yeah this is just dan campbell has been has been great uh this year but they that's a, that's a pretty brutal loss for them but like you said they still control their own destiny so um yeah so so moving on the, you know what the next game that we want to talk about is the dallas cowboys and the philadelphia eagles and let me tell you something I've never met a fan base that is more confident after giving up 34 total points to a backup. Well, I mean, Gardner Minshew could be a starter for a lot of NFL teams, but a guy who hasn't made a start the entire year, gave up 34 points to Gardner Minshew and barely won. And and I've never seen them celebrate so much. I mean, this is, this is cause for concern for the Dallas Cowboys. I hope they know that. And it's just, it just shows how, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love to clown Trayvon Diggs as much as the next guy, but he's been pretty damn solid this year. 
he looked absolutely lost against A.J. Brown in this game. AJ, that, that first play in the first quarter where A.J. Brown destroyed him. Was- he was lost. And granted, I mean, Trayvon Diggs got off to an elite start this year, and then he kind of tailed off. Like, he's still having a very, very solid year. But this game was just – it was brutal for him. And he even came out and said he was like, listen, I have to play better. I mean, that's stating the obvious. But this whole defense itself went from – this defense confuses me, Dan, because they they will have – Dominant performances against good offenses and then have some really, really lackluster performances. Yeah, the pass defense is still a problem. I mean, we, we saw at the end of the game how the you know the, the front seven can still make plays. I mean, they had that that uh forced fumble of Miles Sanders, and that was crucial. But the pass defense is an issue. And you know, part of it is injuries. They've really they've lost Anthony Brown. They've lost uh, I think Jordan Lewis behind Trevon Diggs. So mm-hmm. if Trevon Diggs is not having a great day, you know, who how do you contain Devontae Smith and AJ Brown? Uh you really are left just to uh to to out outscore them. I mean, yeah, you know, usually you're, sometimes the pass rush can take care of it, but the Eagles offensive line has been too good. They didn't I don't think they sacked Minshew one time. Um to be honest, though, I thought that game kind of just reinforced things that we already knew about both teams. Uh, one, Cowboys' pass defense is an issue. We knew that. Uh, maybe it's even more of an issue than we thought, although um, what it, the other thing we learned is the Eagles are very good. It's not just Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I, I think what Micah Parsons said a few weeks ago that, you know, is it Jalen Hurts or is it the team? I think that's wrong. I think Jalen, we know Jalen Hurts is better than Minshew. We know he's had a great year. Um, but but the, team play, the team plays a big role in, in the – in going 13 and one, you can't go 13 and one because of one quarterback. Yeah. Um, I mean, we learned that Devonte Smith and AJ Brown are uh, an incredible receiving duo. Part of me wonders what kind of numbers they'd put up if the other one was injured or something. Although, you know, you could argue that having one on one sideline and one on the other is what makes them so successful, but yeah. they, they both were ridiculously good. Devonte Smith's made Devonte Smith made some insane catches. Yeah, that um, last catch that he made on that last drive was incredible. And Dallas Goddard returning is a big deal, yeah. too. He, he made I, some plays in the first half. You got Devontae Smith with 79 catches for over just over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns this year. And then on the flip side, you have A.J. Brown with 80 catches for 13.04 and 10 touchdowns. That's an incredible duo. And not to mention, like you just said, Dallas Goddard that's coming back that was on pace for the best year of his career He's also contributing 46, 6, 11, and three touchdowns so far. And, you know, you got other guys too. Quez Watkins is another guy that is, is I mean, he's a great deep threat. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the offense is just loaded. I mean, Miles Sanders, despite that, that fumble that really cost them the entire game um, late in the fourth quarter, uh, he's having an incredible year as well. You know, o- almost 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. This game doesn't really tell me too much about the Philadelphia Eagles as much as it tells me a lot about the Dallas Cowboys. That, you know, and, and but I got to give Dak some credit. I mean, after a real rough start to the game, I mean that that pick six that he threw was to Josh Sweat was brutal. That was, was brutal. brutal. And I give him credit because he, he post game he said like I've got no excuse for that. That was a, one of the worst yeah. throws of my career. But, but on on the flip side, after that. Dak threw 30 for 42 with 355 yards and three touchdowns after that. So, yeah, uh, he, he, so, you know, he, he didn't let that get to him. Uh, I'm sorry, 325 yards and three touchdowns after that. He didn't let that get to him. Uh, C.D. Lamb was great in the midst of his best season probably as well. Um, you know, 
I, I still think it tells me a little bit more. And how about T.Y. Hilton just deciding to come back to the NFL He's and then catching catch. a 50-yard bomb catch. as his first, yeah, first third and 30. Cowboys. That changed the yeah. game, too. That, yeah. was, that completely changed it. Yeah, They would have been giving the ball back to the Eagles down 34-27. I, there's almost no doubt they would have went up by two scores. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, good for good for Dak though because he's had a lot of he's had weird turnover issues lately. They used to not really be a thing. Even when he struggled, turnovers usually weren't what got. What, yeah, what he's got, got the most him. interceptions in the NFL um, since week ten, I think. Yeah, it's very odd. So the fact that he was able to mentally recover from that that awful interception at the beginning and actually have a really good game. Uh, CD Lamb, brutal. by the way, is is turning into a, a superstar. Yeah, in front of our eyes. I love watching CD Lamb play. He, yeah, Dak's great. got a pretty gross. Uh, Dak has some pretty gross stats this year. Um, well, granted, he was injured for what? What was that? Four or five games? He was out. Yeah, five games, maybe four. Uh, uh, under twenty five hundred passing yards, twenty touchdowns, twelve picks. But uh, he is eighth in the league in QBR, so that's interesting. I don't know how that fucking stat works, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even understand it. But like I said, this game definitely tells me a little bit more about Dallas than it did Philadelphia. Um, but Moving on, the other game that I want to talk about was the Packers and the Dolphins, and it's kind of two-folded as well because the Packers just seem like a team that are primed to win out and somehow make the playoffs. Um, it's, it's just it's just how it's feeling right now. This was, I mean, this was the game that they needed to win, absolutely. And uh, on the flip side, the Dolphins are a team that, I mean, Tua in concussion protocol again this year. This isn't just the Jet fan to me talking. This is someone that doesn't want to see someone lose a career because of too many concussions early on. I don't think Tua should play for the rest of the season if concussions are this much of an issue. Yeah, I, I trust the I trust the doctors and whatever whatever they say there. Obviously, they're going to scrutinize him. I know I, if people hear that, they're going to say like, oh, well, the Dolphins have already tr- dropped the ball on him already. This year, but I, I, obviously, I think he's going to be scrutinized very heavily after this. Um, you know, I, I trust that the, the the doctors there will make the right decision. I know that they didn't; they don't know. Well, at least as of yesterday, they didn't know if he actually had a concussion. He just had symptoms. <laughs> but um, you know, it's pretty it's pretty clear that I, I think that I feel like I'm surprised it's not a bigger story though that they missed it during yeah. the game because now I'm seeing that play that they believe this might have happened on. Uh, circulate around Twitter, and it's not just the Dolphins. Technically, it's not really their job. It's the the NFL spotters that are supposed to see that. Um, and it's it's kind of I'm surprised it's not a bigger story that they missed that. Yeah, they already lost their job last time. Well, even think about it like this. Even even think about when a couple weeks ago, what was it? Devontae Parker, um, was like struggling to stand up or something. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar. And Nelson Aguilar was like, yo, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop the play and stuff. Yeah, it's, I don't know. They, 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 this is something we usually talk about NFL referees and how everything needs to be reevaluated at the beginning of, uh, at, you know, in the off season after the Super Bowl and everything like that. Um, Uh, but yeah, you know, I think the concussion protocol and everything needs to be evaluated this year heavily. Uh, one thing I do want to say: the secondary of the Packers stepped up in a big, big way in this game. On the last three drives that the Dolphins had, that only needed a touchdown to take the lead, 
They intercepted Tua on all three of those drives. Pretty brutal interceptions by Tua, honestly. But then again, we don't know if he was playing concussed at that point or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I guess I'll give it a little bit of a pass. But yeah, pretty brutal interceptions there. And the Dolphins continue to piss away or, or, or potentially piss away a, a very promising season. So we'll see how the last two games end up. I still think they'll make the playoffs, but um, it's going to be interesting to see. And then the Packers are, are getting hot at the right time. Uh, they have two divisional games to end the year. They it's next this week. It's against the Vikings, and then uh, week eighteen against the Lions. So if they beat the Vikings, we could be seeing Lions versus Packers for the last spot in the NFC playoffs, which is something I didn't think I'd be saying ever. The Lions. Oh, here we go. But <laughs> last game I wanted to touch on before we uh, eventually go our separate ways until next week. The Buccaneers and the Cardinals, and the only reason why I want to bring it up is the football gods still somehow love Tom Brady enough to let him lead these pretty awful comebacks, honestly. I mean, the the Bucs have gotten away with playing horrible football for three and a half quarters. Like the for this is like the third time this year that they've gotten away with it. Yeah, well, it's not gonna work in the playoffs. I think I, I tweeted this the other night. I think the ship has officially sailed on the narrative that. Oh no! You know, yeah, the Bucks have had a tough year, but nobody wants to see Tom Brady in the playoffs. I think they want to see him. I, I mean, I, 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 I definitely want to go up against this team instead of somebody like the 49ers, the Vikings, anybody. Oh, yeah. see, even the Vikings, uh, they they look all out of sorts. The offensive line is losing players by the week. Um, they just the the play calling too is is awful. I guess that's one reason why maybe you could have some optimism because technically you can change the play calling. Um, but you know they they it seems like every play is is run Leonard Fournette up the middle for two yards or Rashad White for two yards and then you know do the same thing again and then have Tom Brady throw to nobody on third down and he has no time to throw and you know part of it is he's older too I don't think he's playing as well as he once did uh, there were some confusing throws the other night and if the quarterback is anybody but Trace McSorley they probably lose that game but. Yeah, you know, there's still even even Colt, even Colt McCoy. I, I I go into this week saying, well, if they play like that, if the Buccaneers play like that, the Panthers can do it. We'll see. I, it's not at Dan. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Sam Darnold out outduels Tom Brady. Here's the thing, though. You know, you talk about the the football gods. This is this is what I could see happening. They beat, <laughs> the Panthers beat them, but because they beat the Cardinals, they can't clinch. So they they beat the Bucks, and then they the the Panthers lose to the Saints in Week 18. Bucks beat the Falcons, which is a given, and uh, and then the Tom Brady still wins the division at at, at eight and nine. I could Good totally Lord. see that happening. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think this is. Um, isn't it so fitting that this is like you said? This is probably the most parody the NFL has seen in God knows how long. And there's 24 teams through 16 weeks that are still in playoff contention, and then you have a division as god awful as the NFC South where you already know that there's going to be a nine or 10 win team that doesn't make the playoffs, but then you're going to, you could potentially have an eight win team or a seven win team make the playoffs out of the division and be the three seed, mind you. Not- <laughs> well, the good news is it's actually official now that there will not be a 10 win team that misses the playoffs because okay, in, good. The, in the AFC and the NFC, um, the best, the best they can do is nine and eight. 
for okay, team Desmond. So we're actually feeling a little, at least, you know, it's not that side of it. We're like somebody really, really missed out on an opportunity they should have had. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've always been kind of against people who are like, oh, we should just reseed and it's only the top teams, only, you know, only just do it by record, do away with the divisions. I think divisions are important. You play six out of 17 games in them. But then I see this, I see Tom Brady have this happen to him and I'm like, all right, maybe we should switch it up or something. Cause I mean, this is, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. And it, it's, it's funny cause the Jaguars are seven, eight, two leading their division, but they look so much better than the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's right so now. Electric. Like I mean, that, that division is, is ass too, but they but. look like they can compete in the playoff game the way they've been yeah. playing because they played so well lately. So you I know what I said it to my dad, thank God that the Jaguars offense didn't really show up or eat or they did, but they kind of took their foot off the gas in like the second quarter on the Jets. Yeah. Because I honestly think they could have put up fifty against the Jets on, on on Thursday. Yeah, well, we're lucky the weather conditions were as bad as they were. Yeah, because you know Zach Wilson still wouldn't have played well if if it was bright and no, it could have been it could have been seventy two degrees, sunny. You no know, not, not a, not a, it could have been sunny at night. Not a single <laughs> not a single mile per hour of wind. There could have been ten defenders on the field, not eleven, and Zach Wilson still would have fucking played like dog shit. <laughs> And on that note, I think we should end the episode. Perfect. Because <laughs> you know it's true. And Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, probably would have like 400 yards. They weren't even targeting Sauce Gardner. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm glad. Wow, I saved that. I saved the coughing fit for the beginning and the end of the episode. Nothing in between. <laughs> oh, my God. You really powered through for me. <laughs> Okay. Ooh, that's a burning chest. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode 22 and my coughing fits. Yet again, I apologize. Uh, we will be back on a weekly basis from here on out, barring any uh, scheduling inconveniences. But yeah, you know, the, the, the holidays are now over. So, you know, the craziness will subside. So we will be able to get to our regular scheduled programming. So uh, Daniel, is there anything you'd like to say to our listen, our listeners? I uh, just, you know, thanks everybody for listening. Sorry for, or, well, maybe, maybe you're thankful for it. I don't know, but we went almost two <laughs> weeks without recording. Just it's the holiday season. It's busy. Uh, but like, like Pete said, we're going to get back on track a little bit in the new year. Um, I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks from now, maybe doing a nice playoff preview episode, wildcard weekend preview, because those did, that's coming very soon. Two weeks from now, we'll have a, a bunch of wildcard weekend matchups set, and we'll have all of them set. Um, and looking forward to, to breaking those down ahead of time and seeing what we get right, what we get wrong. If it's anything like our picks this weekend, we'll probably get most of them wrong. We'll probably get them all wrong. Um, I, I went 8-8. Eight and eight. It, was a, it was a tough one. I think I got every game that I went against the grain on wrong. Um, except I think the, the Steelers I got right. I think a slight majority picked the, picked the Raiders for some reason. I picked but the Raiders. They, I both. My I could hang my hat on the fact that I picked the the Packers over the the Dolphins this week, so that was only fifteen percent of people picked that one. But it's yeah, so still I, a horrible, I got, I got it was the, a horrible. It was a horrible week for me. Still, I got the Giants wrong. I finally picked the Giants in like a in a toss up game, and they blew it. Well, they didn't blow it, but you know, I I I still think they played well. Um, I'm just taking a look. Yeah, fifty eight percent had the Raiders, so I got that one right. But I picked the we both picked the Broncos over the Rams, Ugh. which was a mistake, a massive catastrophe. Um, I had the Dolphins. I had the Eagles. I thought Minshew could do it. I still think he could do it. Um, yeah, that was there. I picked the Browns. I picked the Titans. It was a. I picked the Jets. 
I that was a last minute one too. I, I actually talked myself into the Jets over the Jaguars, uh, and I I felt the vibes were going the right way, and I was dead wrong. So I'm never going to come to you for a vibe check. That's for sure. No, no, the, the <laughs> vibes were off. Maybe I just sensed that that Quinn and Williams strip sack, and I just missed the rest of it. I don't. Even, you know what? Let's not ruin the rest of our day. It's it's a good day, but. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We will be back coming at you in the new year. It's only fitting that the first episode of the new year will be episode 23 for 2023. That's, 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 how, we, that's how we exactly planned it. So thank you guys so much for listening to episode 22. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you.